Hello everyone, uh, welcome back to VR Words. Uh, as we promised, this is the house of knowledge. We've been studying and we are proposing uh, every, every episode uh, topics uh, about uh, sports science. It's not something that is an, uh, an urban myth, but uh, something that we've been researching and we, we try to comfort the athletes uh, on these topics. On the last episodes, we talked about uh, training and, uh, and competition readiness in triathlon. And we went through a nice article that was uh, going through periodization, was going through uh, many interesting topics. You find the link in bio to find uh, uh, the latest episode. And we're gonna continue on uh, regarding this episode. Uh, today we're here with uh, Coach Joao. Hello, hello guys. Coach Leo. Hello guys, hello everyone. And Coach Alessio. Hello, good morning. And Melina. Morning everyone. And this is Coach uh, Tommaso. And we're gonna be your hosts. Okay, so in the last uh, episode of BR Wars, uh, uh, we said we had to cover uh, uh, many, many topics uh, regarding training and racing. And we saw that uh, the best practices come, of course, from uh, elite athletes, and there is a lot of uh, things that are changing. Uh, we're going to start now talking about something that uh, is quite difficult because we know once uh, we're giving a workout to an athlete, it's very difficult to debrief the athlete on the workout. So uh, science is telling us something about monitoring fatigue and adaptation. Uh, and of course, the, the, the best practices are coming from elite athletes. Um, why do we need to monitor fatigue and adaptation in uh, age group athletes? Well, guys, so maybe I could start with this one and then uh, I let uh, the ball roll to, to everyone else. Uh, but uh, first, uh, first of all, I would like to, to say that um, training peaks is the, it's the step uh, the first step that uh, uh, science tried to combine um, uh, periodization, monitoring fatigue with amateur athletes, uh, the beginning, because it, it was a very far, uh, um, it was a very far uh, idea that amateur athletes, they should also to monitor fatigue and their adaptation of training. Because before it was like, well, you have a lab and the lab, is going to test only the pro athletes and elite athletes because they have the money to pay, they have the, the structure to pay. And then amateur athletes, they, do, they go by, like for, by the feeling and by the experience of the coach. So there is nothing that you can measure that. The combination of training peaks and the smartwatches and now new technologies like uh, uh, per, uh, monitoring, uh, recovery and other uh, stuff, they are uh, this these uh, technologies they are helping us to combine a little bit more the performance monitoring with the amateur athletes so training peaks uh, we don't have any <laughs> deal with them guys just just to say that is the easiest way to close the gap between monitoring performance for amateur athletes right without that this kind of technology it would be really hard for us coaches to actually plan, adapt, and change uh, the performance of the, the clients 
in a long-term uh, program, right? So when the article bring, uh, uh, brought this to, to, to us, it's mainly saying that what was not included on the, um, the monitoring so far uh, and now training, training peaks and some other softwares they are including is the perception of the fatigue, the, the ability to write down things for the coach to give the coach a feedback in a more personal way, not only rely on numbers, because we couldn't write too much on training peaks before. Now you can put a face, you can say how you feel. So why are you, you doing that? Because you want to tell your coach uh, your psychologically, uh, psychologically uh, mental state, so how you're feeling, how did you feel about the session, and how uh, the session impacted your body. So more than the numbers, we can get a little bit more information from you. Sometimes a face is better than a word because we don't know how to describe, right? Sometimes we, it was hard, but it was good. So what, <laughs> you know, how, how you say that in words, I felt really hard, but I, I love it. Or you can just put a nice face there that when the coach opened the training peaks, it's like the face is there. Oh, okay. He struggled, but he did, he enjoyed or something around that. Uh, this is monitoring performance, guys. Not only how fast you run, what's your heart rate. Monitoring performance goes around everything else. And uh, this part of the article, it's bringing to us um, another uh, another uh, page behind the numbers. So monitoring fatigue and adaptation includes also uh, how do you feel, um, how the workout impacts your body in a more personal way, not numbers, and how you are feeling to train as well. That's how I, I, I want to start this conversation. What I do you think? think? The, I think the, the key word here, is a multivariate approach where this is this is a new thing in uh, by the way in uh, training peaks i mean like in the last few years they have improved they started yeah. with the scale and now now it's a little bit more evident you know with the little faces but uh, this multivariate approach is not only physiological where you see the fatigue from 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 a scale on uh, on, on training peaks but it's also considering this uh, subjective feedback because uh, as you said, this is this is the one of the most important parts of <laughs> one of the most important uh, aspects of, of training. Um, sometimes we need to push the athletes. Sometimes uh, they, we need to listen to them. But that this is uh, 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 you know part of this uh, this evaluation. Um, there is a there is a study on on professional because because in the end it says the the article. Only using the fatigue parameters, uh, it wasn't too much. Uh, there were no 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 evident. Uh, there were inconsistent findings. So just using uh, objective parameters, there were inconsistent findings. Which means that sometimes science need to be integrated with other things, which then will become science as well. Because once this <clears throat> Is included in a multivariate approach now becomes the, the, the science around it becomes including also a subjective uh, aspect. Um, I think this is an important message because otherwise, especially when you do online coaching, you tend to be a little bit stuck, you know, like, oh yeah, but this one here, you know, you didn't perform well. 
but you don't have the whole picture. So in this way, with the feedback of the athletes, you have the whole picture, and it's uh, it's much easier to get a to get a uh, an individual an individual feedback, an individual response. You know, that's the the most important uh, thing. I think I think the subjective feedback from the athletes um, is is quite important, and I think it's underrated, um, and I think it's something that athletes need to work on that little bit more they're always very happy to i mean the watch downloads everything automatically um they look at what power they pushed if the heart rate was what it was supposed to be um but you know like joao said and, and you know damazo you concurred with that it doesn't always give us the it doesn't always give us the whole picture the data might show me that actually okay you had a really good session where in reality the whole session was a struggle and unless the athlete tells us that or writes that down in training peaks, um, we won't we won't know that. And obviously, we're dealing with um, we're dealing with age groupers that have a, a lot of things going on in their lives, and sport can be um, sport can be a bit of an escape. Um, so sometimes they they overlook everything else. You know, there's lots of stuff going on at home, and they're stressed, and their head isn't in the right space, and then they'll go out and train. Oops. Lost one. Um, then they'll go out and train and they won't perform particularly well. Um, so it's important to know whether um, whether psychology is and where their head is at when they're training. Alessio, do you want to add something on this? Yeah, I want to add something about the, the face on training peaks, who you always say. <laughs> it's very important to, to have an athlete very familiar with that kind of uh, tool because it's a very powerful important tool but if the athlete is not familiar with that uh, could be a, a mistake because for example if you put if you plan a very hard session and um, the athlete after the session put three for example rpe with a big smile mm -hmm. okay maybe something wrong or you didn't feel well or you didn't well the the session and and it's very common. So it's good if the athlete start to uh, familiarize since the beginning with RPE, with the, if he uses the um, training peaks with the, with the proper face to put and yeah. to feel the right feelings. Mm. Uh, otherwise it's a bad uh, monitoring and we cannot understand yeah. properly if the session was effective or not. I guess here the 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 coach uh, coach's tip is to always brief in which phase the athlete that you know if you say to the athlete okay in this block you're gonna feel tired because we're building on I don't know longer workouts and you need to overload in preparation of a race he knows now he will know the intensity of the workouts are gonna be a little bit less so he's like okay this felt easy yeah it's day one of three weeks of overload, you know? Yeah. Once you get to the point where you are at the third week, let's talk about it. But at least you brief them, and then at the end of this block, you can say, okay, this one was planned, this one you completed, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm destroyed, I need to recover. Okay, that's good, that's that's what we wanted. So it's it's part of, uh, of something that we do at BR. You know, we want the athletes to grow up and to and, and to know more of what they're doing. You know, we just don't train robots. Anything you want to add, uh, Leo? 
I agree with everything. Uh, I will just uh, bring another view to the prism now. Uh, like uh, we talk about the take the feedbacks of the athletes and uh, the see how the schedule of the, this athlete not so not just the training plan but uh, all the things on the life, but also. Uh, we can see how accurate is the training peaks uh, in, in the numbers. Uh, when you talk about the training, so uh, in, for, by myself, for example, I, I try building up for four weeks my fitness and I plan this week for recovery and my numbers, uh, you know, the fitness is high, my form is very low number, and uh, it's very accurate. I, I feel my body tired. I feel I feel my body uh, asking recovery for me. So we have uh, the, the this uh, this facility now. Uh, when you do uh, all the workouts and all your track, all your thresholds are updated in the training peaks. You can see the numbers following the process. It's the, this is very good. It's very good. Thank you, Leo. Okay, let's take 30 seconds break and then we come back uh, with, the, with, the, with our episode of BR Wars. 30 seconds break. BR Performance Studios is not just your normal neighborhood gym. Please contact us um, for a variety of services such as sports-specific strength and conditioning, endurance coaching for sports like triathlon, cycling, running, and or swimming. You can have fitness testing for endurance, um, strength, FTP and blood lactate. You can join in group classes for indoor cycling, boot camp and mobility and you can also join BR Performance Studios um, if your goal is weight loss and toning. So back where we are boards, um, we've been uh, looking real quick at uh, monitoring fatigue and adaptation, how uh, science and how objective and subjective uh, elements are in, a, in an evaluation. Now let's have, let's have a li little bit of talk on uh, what are the emerging trends in triathlete preparation. As we said before, uh, this is coming from, uh, it's coming from uh, elite athletes and all the best practices are, are coming from that. And the article that we took as an example, and the link is in bio, it's, uh, it's giving a table where there are emerging new concepts compared to the traditional view of the thing. So for example, one of the factors that uh, sometimes, uh, especially on with online coaching, is difficult to assess is the psychological factor. So the traditional view on this is acute events focus. So basically once, uh, uh, we're focusing on uh, on the race event of the of, of the athlete discipline seen as clinical minimal athletes education no mental health priority the emerging trend for this is an integrated model with psychological skills training and mental health so it's an approach that is much more uh, and it says in the article it's, it's much more for the athletes as a team instead of individual or given to the to the individual to take care of so now this becomes part of the training 
what do we do as uh, age group coaches uh, about this? What can we do? Yeah. It's very, very interesting that conversation because many uh, old uh, documentaries about tennis players, uh, the famous ones, the, the really top ones, top five, you know, the, the good guys that they are, they are leading the, the, the world ranking. You always see a psychologist with them or talking to them on the phone or moving around them. There's always a guy that there's the guy that he talk and he explained the feelings. Uh, the athlete can uh, share some uh, personal things. Uh, he's on the phone before the game or he's with the guy there. We should bring, always call my attention, really, uh, because you can see the integration of the work with with somebody else, not the coach, not the wife, not the husband, somebody like neutral in the process that can literally observe the, 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 the words and translate in, in what can come as a solution for the athlete, right? What it doesn't show, and I wish we could see, is the preparation for everything else that come, comes with the, the, the fame or the pressure or the, the, the pressure of the victor or the pressure of the to lose. And this is integrated model, you know, like one thing is acute events focus. What means? Let me prepare with the, my psychologist for this event. And then I do one month preparation and then thanks man, was really good. Bye, I see you in the next event. The other thing is a more integrated model where there is a, a more uh, long-term preparation, mental preparation and mental education for the athletes where you teach the athlete what is going on through their heads. One thing is me going to you and say, no, it, this is because of this. And then if you do this, you're going to end up on that uh, level. Good. That's more a, a mathematical formula of psychology. But here it is more like a, I am teaching you how to deal with those things. So I give you the tools and you fix yourself when you need. You don't need me all the time there, you know? So this is mental health. I think they broke so many athletes uh, having that old system when you don't teach them how to use their brain and their emotions to go in a long-term journey because they don't, they just teach to say, you know what, you have to be as strong as you can. US old model of tennis, for example. You have to be as strong as you can. And then when this is over, your life is empty because I didn't teach you anything else. You know, the, the emerging trends, they learn from those mistakes. And you can see Russia, you can see Germany, you can see those kind of China, one model mindset, you know, like, so when I'm 23 years old and my career is over, my life is over with my career. I'm not, I'm, I'm never, I can never be something again because I just learned to be that thing. I think that's, the emerging trends now as an amateur you cannot disconnect things from their life because they are not only professional athletes they are not professional athletes. they have their kids sick they have their work the pressure so we naturally think about that for them maybe they don't but as a coaches we learn to think for them and i think our approach is already integrated in the heads of the coach uh, for amateur athletes naturally because we know that there are other six, uh, eight, ten things around their lives that they're going to impact their uh, performance. Them, they don't know how it's impacting. 
So I think our work is to get there and say, look, this is because your daughter did not sleep during the night. So you cannot have the same session. This is because you are, last week you travel for seven days to, to another country and you could not train. So don't worry, it is normal. I think that's more like how we can um, use think, that information. I think that that's a pretty key point to make. And that's something that the research at the moment um, is doing very well um, in terms of um, what we would call long-term athlete development. But it has, it has to date primarily focused on kids teenagers and sort of and sort of young adults and there's some there's some great research out there to say that you know these are the changes a child teenager goes through physiologically as they grow and this is how that aligns with the stages of sport performance um, and this is how that goes in terms of their mental and emotional development and how that then coincides with their academic um, their academic progression going from primary to secondary to university and all that stuff. But it then, um, as, as good as that, as that is, and it's become widely used um, in, in sports, and it's where also coaches have brought parents in, because the coaches can only see the athletes, say, for two hours a day. The parent can give them a lot of information about what's going on in the athlete's life outside. But it has tend to stop um, at the young adult stage then that's when usually they peak and then they might retire um and i think this is something that we need to especially for age groupers and we'll see it now we've got oman in eight weeks time dubai in nine weeks time we have a lot of athletes coming in with an acute event focus that's all they want um so it's up to us to a get them to understand that they are an athlete they're not just someone who wants to do something. If you're training every day and you're working for something, you know, this hard, you're definitely an athlete and they need to try and take a, a long-term athlete development focus. They might not be kids, um, but they need to take into account, do they want longevity in the sport? Then if they want longevity in the sport, forget about the acute event focus. Yes, you might have an event you want to do in eight weeks time, but it's just going to be one small milestone in your process. And it might not even be, you're not going to peak. If you're coming to me now and you say in eight weeks, I want to do this. Okay. We could do this, but this is not your peak. We're working, we're working beyond that. So it's quite an important thing to get to them that, you know, if you want longevity, if you want long-term athlete development as an adult, everything has to come together. And that can be quite hard to get a, get across to them sometimes and that's where we would come in and I guess we need to ask lots of questions um, and keep in mind what's going on in the in in the rest of their lives and sometimes it's about us pushing them but I've actually found a lot of the time the harder thing the coacher has to do is is hold them back and say now is your downtime we're going to eat pull it back a little bit I know you've got a race coming up but this isn't the priority and trying to align that with their expectations. Yeah, I think uh, the beauty of the multivariety approach is, is, is right here. You know, we talk about psycholo uh, physiological, biomechanical, which is given from objective uh, parameters. But then now we're talking something, a, a cognitive approach to the, uh, to the sport, which, you know, for me, because I'm not an expert, uh, I totally agree with Joao, 
but I can see my limits at a certain point or the limits of the situation. So, you know, you ask the questions, it comes out that there are other issues. At the point, we need to recommend to see a specialist. We need to recommend, uh, you know, when, when it goes beyond uh, a certain limit. And, and with the experience, we, we get to the point that 99% the questions are the same and, they, and the athletes want to, to pick in one month and they want to race in one month, you know, can I do this, can I do that? But then, you know, if their lifestyle is complicated, then we, we need to address, uh, you know, bigger problems. So a bigger problem, maybe they're just temporary, eh? but, you know, the, the, the help of, a, of an expert. Um, what else? Second factor. We talked about yeah. training. Yeah, we talked about training already. And uh, it's, it's nice to see that the traditional view was more is better philosophy. Okay. It doesn't happen anymore. Adris, you need to listen. It's not like this anymore. Okay? Uh, rudimentary training monitoring. Yes, okay, we talk about this, so we don't have it anymore. The new emerging trends, even formats dictating preparation. Okay, load is not linear. Sophisticated training monitoring, integrated periodization approach. We spoke about all these aspects last episode. So it's a, it's a matter of uh, as coaches, keeping our, ourselves updated and, and athletes as well. You know, that's, that's, that's what we want from them. Another factor uh, is the nutrition, okay? We had already an episode about this and, uh, you know, how to train with nutrition and fueling properly and everything. And, uh, and, and, uh, and an aspect that I wanna, I wanna give to, to Melina is the, is the fact that uh, there were studies on female athletes and uh, where the results were on low energy and uh, menstrual dysfunction and uh, low bone mineral density. Now, they, they brought this one also to, to men athletes, but, but, but in reality, this is a matter that uh, female um, can feel the most. Yes. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's definitely something that comes up or should come up with um, with every female athlete and with any female athlete that I work with, we do discuss, um, we do discuss their menstrual cycle. First of all, if it's, if it's regular, if it can, if we can predict um, when it's gonna, when it's gonna be. Um, and it is a very, it's a very individual thing, the way every woman experiences their, their menstrual cycle and what it allows them to do or not to do um is is very individual and as a as a coach of a female athlete it's important that that we know that um there are athletes that are pretty much unaffected and are able to train right through um there are athletes that will need some adjustment and as a coach we we need to know that so the athlete needs to be hopefully comfortable enough to share that information um with us that said, irrespective of how every uh, how every athlete um, reacts to um, to the men menstrual cycle, um, there are certain things that are just basic. It's basic physiology, and are the same across are the same across the board from a from a hormone perspective. The lead up to um, menstruation or, and immediately after actually sets the body up for a pretty good um, sort of mini training block, so to speak. Um, they're, they're able to take a greater load, provided obviously they feel, they feel okay. The, 
<clears throat> what the women need to an extent more than men. So men, as they age, uh, muscle, muscle density tends to start to drop from about age 50 onwards. For women, that starts at age 30. So the girls have got to bring in strength work uh, more consistently. And despite the concern about bulking up, they need to lift they need to lift heavy weights to help maintain their muscle density. It's not just about your lungs and your aerobic capacity. Your muscles have to be able, your muscles have to be able to take it. Um, <clears throat> so we need to make adjustments for that. Um, the one kind of, I'm not going to say good is probably the wrong word, um, but an indicator of whether a woman is overtraining or something's not quite right is if there is a change in the menstrual cycle and that's that's always a red flag if there's a change in that that's the first indicator that something isn't working isn't working right and it's something to it's something to bear in mind they might they might feel okay they might be performing okay but if there are major changes to their menstrual cycle that's a red flag and as a coach and an athlete we need to recognize that and and adjust it and i've also found depending obviously on the on the age of the athlete if they're younger um they're probably not as concerned um but again it comes back to education there's going to come a point where they will be concerned um from a fertility aspect so things like that need to be need to be taken into into account and it's down to ultimately it's going to come down to the coach athlete relationship the coach has to make the athlete feel comfortable enough to share that but the athlete also needs to understand that that is important that's important information for the coach to know how it affects them um physically are they able to swim bike and run do they not want to swim or do they not want to run depending on how they feel um but it's also key for them to know that it's it's okay to train through it um, they're actually hormonally at a better point to train through that phase. Um, and keeping an eye on their cycle is, um, is quite important. So we can plan their, uh, plan their training and see if there's any, in terms of a monitoring aspect, if there's any indication of overtraining or something not working quite right. Wow, this is a huge, huge topic. I think, uh, Melina, we can have an episode on this. Not just that, yeah. <laughs> uh, just on this one, and maybe, you know, provide some uh, scientific literature to support uh, what you're saying, because, yeah. you know, once again, it's cognitive. It's just, you know, making sure that the athletes are, uh, are aware of what's going on. Okay, let's take 30 seconds break, and then uh, we come back. This is your 30 seconds break. VR Performance Studios has two locations in Dubai. One in Almarabea Streets, Alquos, the other one in DIFC Gate Avenue C. You can email us at info at bespoke-ride.com. Back with VR Words, uh, we have been uh... <laughs> Uh, exploring emerging trends in triathlete preparation and uh, this topic is huge. Melina went through the female part which uh, it's going to require more, uh, more attention from, yeah. from, from, from in, the, in the following weeks. Um, 
we are during we are right now living in the christmas holiday you know holidays and break and from work and everything and there are many uh family meals or friends meals or uh, gathering and stuff like this what do you recommend your athletes not to do in this period if they are training especially this is a period where they're training hard for races like uh, Ironman Dubai, Ironman Oman. They're happening in a couple of months, so they are in the in the in the core of their of their uh, of their training. What do you recommend, Alessio, to your athletes not to do? Uh, it's very tricky because many people have uh, more time to train, but other others maybe travel or stay more with family and eat more, recover less because less sleeping time and I usually recommend to to stay active I put my session uh, because if they can follow they have to follow but the, the first rule is to stay active and don't stop training because it's very important because you overeat you don't sleep and it's another kind of lifestyle uh, from the rest of the of the year so especially for us, we train uh, for Dubai, for Oman, and the, the races are pretty uh, so yes, close. This break is, break yeah, is, break is not is, optimal. <laughs> it's a risk to destroy everything the, the week before, the weeks before. And, and yes, uh, I try to don't push too much because it could be uh, no nice. And because if you push, your athletes to no, you have to train, you have to train, you have the race. Uh, maybe even for the psychological factor, yeah. it's not uh, uh, productive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I think it's all about. It's almost a, a very short maintenance phase that we just need to just that we just need to get through. Um, and it's it's finding the balance. It's finding the balance for that for that athlete, uh, depending on their family situation, depending on their work situation. Um, if the reality is they've got lots of family visiting and they can't do much as long as they keep things ticking over, like Alessio said, and they maintaining they are doing something every day. That's the most important thing. If their family situation allows for them to carry on training as normal, great. You can go on and you can go on and load them up. But you also don't want them stressing that oh my god i've got to get my training in and but then we've got a big family meal to do we've got they're not they're not pros at the end of the day yes they have their goals um but it's a from a for the majority of us that celebrate christmas this is an important time for family um and you don't want friction um ultimately your family enables you to do the sport and they're supporting you um so you don't want the friction there we need yeah. to find out what what they're doing again the athlete needs to share with us that you know what forget these two days i can't do anything or i'll do the minimum and we load up accordingly or we load up a schedule and they do what they they do what they can but i, I completely agree with alessia it's about keeping active so they don't undo everything they've already done and then as soon as this period is done, we hit the ground running again and the focus is there because well, Dubai, we're all racing in two, two weeks after New Year's. <laughs> um, we've got right try. So there's not much of a leeway to stop, but it's too big a, a, a holiday 
to ignore and try and train through. What about you, Leo? What is your recommendation to your athletes that uh, are living this moment of holidays and uh, a break from training, basically? Yeah, it's good. Uh, you need to follow the calendar of the, the athlete, of course. In Brazil, we have a, a, a big race, uh, very, very close from Brazil. It's a Pucon in Chile. So it's the second week for January. So, you know, it's at the peak of the cycle of the periodization. You can't uh, uh, just take a day off and uh, celebrate. When you subscribe, you in a race so closer from the, the celebrations, you know, you need to uh, sacrifice the celebrations. But uh, you have uh, goals a little bit uh, more far this, this time per the, the year. You can just take a day off or easy days, stay with the family, but it's very individualized, you know. Uh, some people prefer do the workouts, so you need to follow the athlete and uh, see what this, this preference of this athlete. What about you, Joao? What is the... Yeah. What is the godfather phrase? What, what is the godfather <laughs> preaching uh, for these young athletes? Um, I either should uh, change my workout <laughs> because uh, I mistakenly put 16K for them to run on the first of uh, the year. So I might have to change that. <laughs> so, no, I, I follow very much like you guys, you know, I, I believe that when you sign up, like Leo said, for a race and you have your clear goal on that race and you explain to people around you that this is important for you, you, you push through, you know, because third, first of the year, first of the year, second of the year, they are year, days. So you can use them to train. And if you take advantage of those days while somebody's resting, you are already ahead of somebody. So that's how I always thought on this period of the training for myself, you know. I knew somebody was going to rest this time. I knew somebody was going to take a day off. So I decided to don't take. But this is a very personal, competitive um, view of the race. Uh, while some other guys, you know, they, they have more commitment to family. So balance is a little bit better than creates friction, like you said. So it's very, very individual and related to the mindset of the athlete and the stage of competition. Uh, of course, we have four races now very close to each other, two Olympic or shorter distance and then two long uh, mid distance. You can skip one week of training. They all know that they learn from us. Nobody's taking a week off. Nobody's taking more than two days off probably. If they are taking, it's really because they need uh, the, the, the cycle of the training going to pass through this time of the year in a very important phase. There's no way to escape that. You cannot change. So one advice that I give for next year, if you did the mistake this year, is to communicate much earlier with your coach, at least two months early, what you're going to do on the news year or the holidays. So we can pick you before, then you can kind of go down a little bit during this phase and then you build up again. Because if you don't say nothing, then we, we plan as should be. And then guys, you can do a mistake on your uh, periodization because you did not communicate with the coach. If you know you're going to travel, tell the coach two months before. So 
the balance of the training is not going to be a, a mess up. But that's all. For me, it's it's an important time of the year for the family and everything, but it's uh, unfortunately very important for triathlon as well. Um, do as much as you can. That's my advice. Yeah, I agree. You know, Joe, just to add uh, a little story about me, I used to race in Italy the day after Christmas. So 24 and 25, I, I took, uh, yeah, not completely <laughs> off, but I just train a little bit less and eat less and yeah. something to force me to stay disciplined and yeah, but I know yeah. it's... That's, <laughs> yeah, that's why we, that's why I, uh, four years ago, uh, I decided to, to create these little aquathlons and races on the 1st and 25th, because at least it's something that takes us out of the bed. You go there, you do something. It's have a, a kind heart of heart attack. attack. <laughs> <laughs> and die. <laughs> <clears throat> do something and uh, <laughs> and uh, keep active, you know, keep yeah. active. I, I stress, uh, like you guys said, uh, because I know me, I stress a lot the, the food and drinks uh, aspect of the thing. You know, sometimes it's the exaggeration uh, on, on this matter that uh, destroys everything. Mm. Because you, you know better than me, when you're talking about memory, muscle memory and stuff like this, if they, if they don't do two days of workout, there, there shouldn't be any guiltness and uh, not doing those workouts. But if you eat a lot, extra 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 calories that are needed the sweets and drink a lot as well then the bill to pay is, uh, is a little bit longer you know like it's diluted in uh, in terms of days so that's something that uh, you know it's, it's just a warning that, that uh, we need to give i mean we're not giving uh, anybody like must do or must not do it's just warnings and labels of stuff that they they need to consider and with this cognitive approach now if they know, if they understand, the athletes understand, then they can be uh, much more responsible and uh, won't be any issue. Okay, uh, I think we can conclude this episode here. Uh, we're gonna get back on, uh, on the emerging trends in triathlon preparation in the next episode for sure. And then Melina will, will, uh, yeah. <laughs> will organize- Female specific ones. Yes, we'll organize things. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you guys on, uh, on the podcast and uh, it was a pleasure to talk about these things. Really good, guys. Amazing. Good, good work again. Thank you, guys. Thanks for and, uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We'll see you next year. The last one of the year. year. <laughs>